Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. In 2018, the BBC carried out a survey and they asked the members of the public what they thought about miracles. And they found that 62% of people in the UK believe that some sort of miracle is possible today. And surprisingly, maybe surprisingly, the age group that most expected miracles to happen today or had the most belief in miracles today was age 18 to 24. Almost 75% of people in that age range believe that miracles are possible today. And 43% of people said that at some time in their life they had prayed for a miracle. don't know if those stats surprise you at all. I'm not necessarily sure that they're all that surprising to me because I look around and I see a culture that's fascinated by the supernatural. I see TV shows and movies that are just loaded full of supernatural things. You drive around the Heatons, every other pub has an advert for a psychic night. Have you noticed that? People are really interested in things of the spirit. Spiritualism has been on the rise in this country for a long, long time. Um, I, I sometimes think that our culture kind of wants the things of the kingdom of God, whether that's experiencing supernatural power or if it's things like social justice or belief in human dignity. They want the kingdom, but they don't want the king behind the kingdom, do they? And they look to find um, the kingdom or the things of the kingdom in all the wrong places. But back to our survey. That was just a little segue, a little side. 37% of Christians said they'd never prayed for a miracle. I don't know if that's surprising or not. Let me ask you, when did you last pray for a miracle? And I don't mean, like, God, I need this parking space at the supermarket near the door. I mean some actual physical supernatural intervention that only God could have done. Was it days ago? Was it weeks ago? This morning, morning, Thompson. My (laughs) mum. Months ago? Years ago? Maybe never. Maybe you're in that 37% that have never asked God for miracles. See, I, I believe... And I believe the Bible teaches this, that we're called to continue Jesus's earthly ministry. And when Jesus was on earth, we read about his life in the Gospels. He comes down to earth and he proclaims the kingdom and he demonstrates the kingdom. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he heals the sick and he casts out demons. And then he tells the disciples that they will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And that it will do even greater things than he did. And then we come to the book of Acts, and and we've seen in the past few weeks as we're working through the book of Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven, and the Holy Spirit does come down at Pentecost, and it fills the disciples with power. And the early church is born, and we're here 2,000 years later as a result of that. And our passage this morning, we're going to see the first healing of the church age. So continuing Jesus' ministry... I believe part of that is that we should be seeking and expecting God to move in miraculous power today. I said before that our culture wants the kingdom but not the king. But sometimes I think the church wants the king and not the kingdom. 
We can sit on the sidelines. We maybe refuse to believe, and lots of Christians refuse to believe in the existence of miracles today. I don't have time to go into that. We believe in the existence of miracles today at CCM. Or maybe they do believe, but they don't act on it. They don't act on the truth that the Bible teaches that God can and does intervene in humanity by his power. So my aim this morning is to build our faith up that God can and does do these things today. And it wouldn't be just a theoretical knowledge. We all go away from here saying, yeah, isn't it great that God heals today? And it happens somewhere over there in another church, in another country, in another space. But that we'd have faith to see it happen amongst us today, this morning. Our passage is Acts 3. It should come up on the screen. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as a man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses to this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. I want to just look at two things this morning. Firstly, the purpose of healings. And then... I want us to look at how we can have faith to see them today. So the first purpose of healing, and this is not an exhaustive list because there's many. The first purpose is that it authenticates the message of Jesus. Look at what Peter says in this passage. In verse 13, he says, God has glorified Jesus. Verse 15, God has raised him from the dead. And then in verse 16, it is Jesus's name that has healed this man, as you can all see. In other words, it proves that Jesus is who he said he was and who Peter is saying he was. Think about the staunchest atheist you know. You know, the one who you know, there's no clever argument that will win them over. Maybe they're more intelligent than you or more stubborn than you or both. 
I've got a friend like that. He's called Dave. And I'm not going to win an argument with him. He's more widely read than me, and he's way more entrenched in his position than I can possibly begin to move him with logic. But I imagine what would happen if God did something like this to him, or he witnessed something like this. What would happen to your friend if this happened? Because many in the crowd that Peter is speaking to who witnessed this, they'd heard about Jesus. No one would have been unaware of who Jesus was and what happened. But now they believe because they've seen power. They've seen something that completely authenticates the message. Second thing that healing does, pretty obviously, but it alleviates suffering. Whenever and wherever suffering is alleviated in the name of Jesus, the kingdom has come. Because it's another victory over the spiritual forces of evil and darkness. Alleviating suffering, when we, when we do that, whether it's through the supernatural or whether it's through acts of compassion and mercy, we're fighting on the side of a God who hates suffering even more than we do. And when we see God move in power and alleviate suffering, we see, again, that he's a kind, loving father, and he cares about and is willing to intervene in our situations, willing to intervene in our suffering and help us. The third thing is about healing is it that points to the future restoration of all things. You know, healings are a restoration of the natural order. We talk about healings as being supernatural, but actually it's the natural order that's being restored when we see a healing. Sickness and death, they're not part of God's design for creation. If you read the very beginning and the very end of the Bible, you see in Eden and you see in the new heavens and the new earth, these things don't exist. And the Bible talks about creation being restored and it talks about the restoration of our bodies when we're resurrected. And so healings are simply a foretaste of what is to come, what's coming to all of us. A glimpse of a time and place when sickness and death are no more. And so the restoration of our bodies happening now, before we die, is an act of the kingdom breaking into the present reality. And maybe there's, arguably there's no clearer indication of the kingdom coming now than healings taking place. Look what Peter says to the crowd. Um, I didn't read this bit before. I kind of summarised some of the passage for time. But he says, repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. He says, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he's promised long ago through the holy prophets. In other words, Jesus must stay in heaven until it's time for everything to be restored under him, so that earth becomes like heaven, and heaven is the place where God's will is done all of the time. Don't we want to see some heaven on earth? That we need to see some of that for our own lives and the lives of people around us? So how can we have faith to see healing today? How can we see this happen amongst us? Well, the first thing is faith. We need to have faith. But I want to be really clear about what I mean when I say having faith in the context of healing. Because plenty of teachers will tell you that there is a direct correlation between the faith that you have for healing and the amount that you receive. And that is unbiblical. It is damaging teaching. Because healing has absolutely nothing to do with the size of our faith, but the object of our faith. Look at what Peter says in verse 6. 
He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then when he's explaining to the crowd what happens, he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man has been made strong. And then he repeats it, just for extra clarity. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed this man. So it's faith in the name of Jesus that matters. You know, the, the man on, who was healed had no faith to be healed. You know, he wasn't asking, he didn't, he didn't come to that day expecting to be healed. But Peter had faith in the name of Jesus that it would happen. If you've been around Christians long enough and you've seen Christians pray, you'll notice something that we all do. We always say, in Jesus' name or in the name of Jesus, when we pray. And it's usually at the end of the prayer, isn't it? You notice that? We, kind of, we say our prayers and then at the very end of it we kind of say, in Jesus' name, and then we say, Amen, or in the name of Jesus, Amen. But, but actually, having faith in the name of Jesus is not a phrase, but it's a position. It's our position in relation to the Father. See, faith in the name of Jesus means trusting in the truth that you stand before God with the status of Jesus over you. That means we're standing before God with confidence and boldness. It means that we stand before God knowing that we're his children and we can ask things of him. And it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. His, his status is given to us when we stand before the Father. That's what it means. Now, imagine if that was our frame of reference when we prayed for what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. What would our prayer life look like? How might it be transformed? If rather than a pithy statement, it was this frame of reference, that we're standing with the status of Jesus, a position in front of the Father. What kind of things might we start to ask for if we know that we can stand before the Father like that? The second thing is expectancy. Faith is believing, but we also need to expect that we will believe, that we will see what we believe. Uh, Ten years ago, I went to a conference um, it's run by Fusion, who run a student kind of ministry across the UK. Um, and I was, Becky and I were student leaders at, at the church at the time. And there was a guy called Carl Martin speaking. Uh, he's a Baptist minister in Edinburgh. And he was talking about healings and miracles. And he kept telling stories of healings that he'd seen, miracles that he'd witnessed, and, and stories that he'd heard from other people. And it was really inspiring. But he kept saying this one phrase that I've never forgotten. He kept saying, it's normal stuff. In other words, it means that it should be part of our normal Christian experience. Now, it's one of those sermons that I've always remembered. And I've been thinking about that sermon a lot when I've been preparing for this. And I've been asking myself, do I agree with him? Is it normal stuff? Well, yes and no. No, because it, it isn't chiming with my everyday experience. Right? It's not. I'm not seeing it. But also, yes, it is, because I believe that the miraculous can be a part of our experience of walking with Jesus. As we do the Jesus stuff, this happens. And to say otherwise contradicts the New Testament <laughs> and 2,000 years of church history and stories that have been witnessed by millions of people of this kind of thing happening and maybe even it contradicts some of your own experiences. 
So where I stand now on that question, is it normal stuff, is I think we ought to expect God to move in power and for it to become more normal than it is now. The times that I've seen God move powerfully, they correlate with when I've expected to see God powerfully move. And that isn't to say that my expectancy made it happen. It's not me. But what expectancy meant is I'm open to seeing what God wants to do. God's always looking to do stuff among us. I'm just having my eyes open and my ears open. Back in my early 20s, back at my my old church, um, I had a word of knowledge during a service that there was someone with a bad back and that God was going to heal them. So I, I gave that word, I shared that word, and I said, if that's you, come forward and we'll pray for you. We'll see God heal you. And it, Bill came forward. Bill was an older guy. He was a very sulfured man. Um, and he was a very new Christian. Him and his wife came to, came to faith on, a, on the Alpha course. And Bill had a walking stick. And Bill walked with a hunch. And he kind of comes forward very slowly. And me and my friend, Nathaniel, prayed for him. And as we start praying, Bill jolts upright. And he says, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and my, my mate, Nathaniel, is way quicker off the mark than I am. He said, it's not us, it's Jesus. And he said, my, my back feels really hot, it's weird. And he, he looked really freaked out. He looked properly scared. And then one of us, I don't know who it was, if it was me, Nathaniel, or Bill, realised he's standing upright. And we said to him, how do you feel, Bill? And he says, I feel great. And he starts moving his body around. He said, I've not been able to do this for years. Like, amazing. And me and my friend, we were delighted, obviously rejoicing, but we weren't all that surprised. And the reason we weren't all that surprised is that Sunday morning we had prayed together and asked God to heal people in our service. We had asked that God was given words of knowledge. And we were doing this every week or most weeks. We were doing this beforehand. We'd get up and we'd, we'd pray that God would move in. And so we had a zeal to see it. We had an expectancy. And when we expected it to happen, expecting it to happen meant that we just need to be ready. We're not making it happen. We're just ready for seeing what God is doing and leaping on it, grabbing it. And you know, seeing it happen, when it finally happened, it just gave us more expectation. There was a spring in our step when we got to church the next Sunday when we were praying for that to happen again. Let me ask you, what is your expectation when you come to church on a Sunday morning? What do you expect to happen? What's your expectation when you turn to a community group? What's your expectation as you're going about your daily life? I was out on Friday night. I went to a gig with Mark and, and, and Tim. Um, and as we were there, uh, I saw an old work colleague I'd not seen for years but I'd known this guy. Uh, he was the one guy at my old work who, if anyone was going to get saved and I was going to see that happen in my work colleagues, it was him. He joined our church football team. He joined our community group for a while. We, we, he hung out with us. We had some really long conversations. This was the guy. And then he left the, the company and we kind of just drifted apart. And I saw him. And I was kind of debating whether to go over and say hi. Mark's laughing because I had this conversation with Mark. I said, what do you think he recognised me? You know, he's, he's quite a popular guy. He might not remember me. He sees me and wanders over and gives me a big hug. And we have a chat in the middle of the gig. And within minutes, we're having this incredible conversation that he's leading. 
He's pouring his life story out to me, what's happened to him. And he's talking about faith. And he says, I really admire people who've got, like you, who've got a religious faith. I wish I had the life that you had. And I'd gone to that gig just expecting to go to a gig, right? Just like the man in the passage just expected to get money. <clears throat> but this past week, I've been praying to God that I'd live this sermon out, right? I, that this would be me, this would be my life. Uh, so, and he'd move in power. And then, within days, an opportunity presents itself, and I ended up on a, on a night out with an amateur dramatic society from Chawton, talking about Jesus to this guy and ditched Mark and Tim <laughs> in the process. This is what happens when we have our eyes open. I knew there was a moment really quickly when he started talking to me. I'd had this moment of like, God's doing something. Don't leave. I thought it would be a five minute, great to see you. We should hang out again and then walk off. I just had this sense of God's, God's doing something. What do we expect when we go about our daily lives? I don't know about you, I want, but I want to see God's power at work in my life and at work in our church more than I currently do. Who's with me? Yeah? yeah? So we need to ask for it. I want to just quickly talk, say this on prayer. In, in, Luke, in Luke 11, uh, the disciples ask Jesus how to pray, and he teaches them, and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. But then he tells this, uh, I don't know if it's an analogy, it's not really a parable, somewhere in the middle, but he talks about, you know, imagine you have a friend uh, and you go to them at midnight because you've got a visitor to turn up to your house and they need feeding and you have no bread and you go to your neighbour and you say, friend, I have no bread, can you give me bread? I need to offer hospitality to another person who's turned up at my door. And Jesus says this, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship... Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Shameless audacity. That great phrase. He goes on to say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So Jesus is saying we should ask with shameless audacity. And often we can... We can not expect God to move in our lives because we have unanswered prayer in our lives. But I, I do wonder whether a bigger barrier to us seeing God move, a bigger barrier than unanswered prayer, is unasked prayer. You see, we, we don't have the control over the, the answers to our prayers. God will say yes, or he'll say no, or he'll say maybe. And the waiting and the, is, is hard. But we have control over the asking and we mustn't let the times when God has said no, or it seems like God isn't saying anything, stop us from asking. And this is what it means to walk in the tension. Because there is this tension about the kingdom and the things of God happening like this, being here and not yet fully here. Because everyone doesn't get healed. But it means that we can still ask with shameless audacity even if we don't see the breakthrough that we want to see every time. A friend of mine, I think, embodies this better than, than anyone else I know. She's called Kaz. 
and you mention any sickness to her, and her response is, God can heal you. And it's not glib. It's terribly not glib with her. Uh, this is a genuine sense of conviction that God can heal. It's almost a reflex for her. It's really disarming. <laughs> like, I've got a headache. God can heal you. Paracetamol would be okay, you know? <laughs> but I wish I was a bit more like her. She's one of those people that when she says, I'll pray for you, you know she's going to pray for you. She is someone who shamelessly and audaciously asks God to heal. And she's seen it happen. And yet, she has unanswered prayer in this space. Her brother is in his 30s. He has got very severe disabilities, physical and learning disabilities. And when I say very severe, he, on a bad day, he will have 100 fits in a day. I know her and her family have prayed for 30 years that he'll get healed. And they've believed for it, and it hasn't happened. Not yet. But she's not shaken in her belief that God can heal. That's what standing in that tension looks like. The tension of the kingdom is here and it's not yet fully here. Healings happen, but they don't always happen. And, and, you know, it's to know that someday everyone will be healed. It's just whether it happens this side of eternity or not. The the church I got saved into uh, when I was 17, uh, a, a great church in Sale, there was a, a guy called David. David, similarly, he was in a wheelchair. He had uh, learning disabilities. Um, he was the most enthusiastic worshipper in that entire church. And it's, it's a church similar to this. Kind of, it's a charismatic church similar to this, but 400 people. So imagine this multiplied. And he would say, I can't wait to get my new body. He understood the tension. So that's why we have to keep praying for it to happen, even if we don't see it happen, because it's obedience to God's word. So let me ask you, do you believe that God can heal? (coughs) Do you believe that God wants to heal? It's a very muted response. (laughs) I'm not doing a very good job of whipping you up into faith. Do you believe that God will heal today? Yes. Sure. Otherwise, I won't be here. (laughs) What am I here? That is a fantastic answer. I was going to say, I don't know. But shall we ask anyway? Yeah. See, if all we do this morning is just learn something, or we, we find it somehow interesting or inspiring, and say, that was, that was good, then we've just missed the point completely. Because we, we need to be doers of the word. And this goes for any message, right? Not just healing, but anything that we hear. We've got to be doers of the word. We have to put it into practice. We have to be aware of the sensation. I don't know about you, but I definitely experience a sensation where if I agree with something or something inspires me in some way, I have this kind of sense of achievement, even if I don't know anything about it. It's like, it's like something in my body thinks, you've done it because you agreed with it. You know? Is that just me? Am I just weird? I am weird, but, you know, in that particular way. That's not obedience, is it? Imagine I was trying to describe to you the best song I've ever heard. And it's a song you don't know. It's A Day in the Life by the Beatles, by the way. (laughs) Imagine I tried to describe it to you. I could tell you the lyrics, couldn't I? I could tell you what instruments are played. I could tell you the genre. I could tell you the history of the genre. 
If you were really unlucky, I could sing it to you. But what's better than being told about a great song? Listening to it, right? Hearing it for yourself. Then you get to experience it for yourself and agree. It's the same with God's kingdom. We, we don't just need someone to explain it to us. We've got to put it into practice. We've got to experience it for ourselves. 